Hello and welcome to Mystery Simon Theater 3000. I'm Simon, and this is a podcast where I'm sharing my collection of almost 3,000 VHS tapes. Each episode, I'm going to talk about three tapes that I watched. One of them is chosen at random via random number generator. The second one is chosen by my co-host, who today is co-host Johnny, producer Johnny. And the third tape is chosen by a guest. And this episode, that guest is Melissa Bukta. Hi! Of the... Funhouse Lounge Improv Comedy Troupe. Did I get all the words right in the right order? You did. Yay. Yes. Cool, cool. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited us. to have you. You picked one of my favorite movies of, of all times, and I can't wait to talk about it. But uh, just real quick, tell us about the the kind of comedy that you do. You were telling us, um, like, kind of really uh, pandering to the audience of two by <laughs> uh, telling us that you do a... Uh, TN- Star Trek TNG show. Yes, I'm so through Funhouse Lounge. I'm involved with a um, a group that does uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, the musical. So we're USS Improvise: The Next Generation, the musical. <laughs> and every January, it is a uh, it's tradition. Uh, our show runs over at Funhouse, uh, and we basically do it's it's like you're watching a never before seen episode of Star Trek TNG that mm-hmm. is made up for you on the spot it's also an, a musical which is also improvised so we improvise all the songs and lyrics and everything and we have uh props costumes thank you yeah we want to we want to try and look exactly uh, as close to um authentic as we can mm-hmm. and it's it's been amazing and through that show i've been able to uh, actually attend uh, a few improv festivals. Uh, we've been invited to perform at uh, uh, Comic Cons. So we've done um, Emerald City Comic Con. We've done Rose City Comic Con. Uh, we've been to uh, Improvaganza in Honolulu, Hawaii, and SFIT, or the Seattle Festival of Improvised Theater, uh, which has been pretty cool. So it's been amazing to, to be able to go on the road. Oh, we also did... Um, Star Trek Con in Vegas in uh, August um, a few years ago. I was not able to to attend that one, but uh, I've seen pictures and it was a hoot. <laughs> oh, it must have been like at, like talk about pandering to the. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Um, so when is uh your next like lineup of shows happening? Yeah. So tickets are up right now. Um, you can check the link at funhouselounge.com or our website ussimprovise.com. And we run the uh, second week of January through the second week of February, so it's a it's about a uh, about a five week run over at Funhouse Lounge, um, which is over on uh, Southeast Eleventh uh, and Division. If you're in Portland, Oregon, that's where we are. And we do more than just uh, Star Trek improv. We have a whole slate of scripted and non scripted shows over there. Right now, we're doing. Um, Die Hard the Musical Parody, which is our Christmas tradition. Sounds awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> it it's awesome. It is pretty great. It's it's so good. I, I love it. It's This is our uh, fifth year running doing it. Whoa, cool. Yeah, yeah. And people are, I mean, people clamber for it. People know it's mm-hmm. coming. The, the booths basically are sold out the first week the ticket link goes up. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, Congrats. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, good, good luck. Uh, it gets December. Good luck getting a ticket. I, yeah, I don't know if there even are any left. <laughs> we'll we'll have to watch out for next year. 
Yes. Oh, it is streaming, though. Um, Andy's been streaming it. Andy Barrett is the creative director. Um, he's been streaming it uh, on the 24th, 25th, and 26th uh, of December. Cool. So, And he's doing that again this year. So if you, That's awesome. if you really want to watch it, you, you can get your tickets that way and watch a streamed version of it. Cool. Sounds cool. Yeah. Great. I'm so ex- Again, we're so excited to have you here and uh, to talk about movies. Uh, we just got to talking. Well, we've been talking for a little while while we were setting up the lights. Um, but you seem to love movies just as much as we do and watched quite as quite a lot of TV like we did <laughs> growing up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like we were talking about, I um, my family and I grew up, uh, I'm originally from Alaska, and we grew up uh, a block away from the Totem Theater. Shout out Totem Theater. <laughs> <laughs> and just it was our thing on the weekends uh, just to go to the movies basically. So, um, cool. yeah, I've just grown up. The theater is, is my, uh, kind of safe space. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. The first tape I'd like to get out of the way is 1994's television miniseries, Scarlet. Did you know that in 1991, there was an official sequel novel written a sequel to Gone with the Wind. Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I've heard about this, but I've never actually sat down to watch it. Well, this is the miniseries based on that fan fiction. Oh, no. Because that's exactly what <laughs> watching this felt like. It was it was fan fiction. And it. Um, uh, I had a, a pretty strange experience watching this like i i read a one sentence description before watching it so i thought it was maybe just gone with the wind because there's nothing here like i hadn't read the log line i like to save it for reading it to to you and so i just thought it was going to be like a like a six hour version of gone with the wind which isn't making it that much longer i don't think <laughs> um but i think after the first hour and a half we dived into it or like we we started just googling it <laughs> and realized that no this is the sequel which i was so confused the that, that first like hour and a half but i kind of continued to stay confused for most of this mini series uh did you have anything to say like any hot takes about scarlet um well i guess my hot take would be that i didn't completely hate it Oh, um, so that would be a hot take, uh, because I think most people I never said would, I hated would it. maybe feel that way. Does, um, does it star any of the original cast members from Gone with the Wind? I'm sure it doesn't, but no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Every one of importance or prominence is probably like in their 50s at the oldest maybe 60s but probably like in their 50s yeah yeah most of this cast um or younger i really liked uh dalton in this one timothy dalton timothy dalton um yeah timothy dalton's in this one and i kept like w- like as we were watching <laughs> the first couple episodes i was like why does this guy look so familiar well, it wasn't James Bond. <laughs> it wasn't James Bond. I was like, I feel like this guy should own a grocery store or something. Oh, 
Yes. It's Hot Fuzz. Hot. This is the guy from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> so uh, I, I think maybe that endeared me to it because he's like my favorite villain. He's great. Of I all mean, time. I, he's a slasher <laughs> yeah. of prices. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> Uh, I most recently know him from his work. Like he's one of the stars of Penny Dreadful, oh, yeah. which I like mostly enjoyed like a lot. So, and he's a silver fox in that one, or at least like a salt and pepper daddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, to, but again, like this, this cover doesn't give you much to go on unless you know that this is the miniseries sequel to Gone with the Wind. Yeah. The Scarlet is Scarlet O'Hara. Mm -hmm. So again, we have a uh, Timothy Dalton and Joanne Huale Kilmer. This was Val Kilmer's wife and I she was familiar to me because I grew up watching Willow and she's uh she plays the the princess in that one, the like sort of antagonist throughout the whole movie but eventually falls in love with the Val Kilmer character which is I think where they met and so it just says uh, the greatest love story ever told uh, the complete six hour romantic epic tomorrow is another day Ooh, the greatest love story ever told I don't know debatable maybe yes yeah. <laughs> yes yeah definitely debatable all the romance passion drama that begin with gone with the wind continues in scarlet I would have known that if I just read the logline. But again, I'd like to be just as surprised as everyone going through it. The unforgettable sequel. Power packed with captivating performances by Joanne Huale Kilmer, Scandal, and Timothy Dalton, The Living Daylights. Scarlet sweeps you off your feet with more excitement and passion from one of the most romantic periods in American history. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> You're romantic, yeah. Mm, mm. For Scarlett O'Hara, the Civil War is over, but not her desire for Rhett Butler. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> she must have him back, no matter what the cost. From the ruins of Terra to the streets of Ireland, back to the American Southland, Scarlett woos this lovable cad with an intensity only she could sustain. Strong, proud... <laughs> Self-sufficient, sexually assertive, and innocently sweet. What what other what adjectives are left? What? Big fucking mouth. <laughs> Big <laughs> Manipulative, conniving, I mean Selfish. There are so many. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> Scarlet is a woman who knows what she wants and exactly how to get it. Now, only time will tell if her international ordeal was worth the price. The reunion of Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara was the most anticipated in recent film history. Was it? I'm gonna go with was it? no. He left, he, he left her. It's, got, it's kind of like you just sort of shake her and Girl, get a grip. It, it, he's he's gone. He's you're obviously you two are not right for each other. It, I mm, mm, yeah. Now you can enjoy six of the most passionate hours ever captured on film. Anytime you desire. 
<laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> <laughs> there are no quotes on here. Like, no one had anything worth saying and reprinting for this box. <laughs> Uh, but we do get the supporting cast on the back, which got me a little bit excited. We got our friend Sheen Bean back. Uh, who else? We got Annabeth Gish. Who else did I call it last time? Uh, Paul Winfield and Margaret is in this yeah, for Ooh. not that long, actually. Uh, but still, like Gene Smart is in it. Oh, my gosh. Probably yeah. a really young Gene Smart, too. Youngish. Young. Yeah. There And there are parts of Scarlet that are absolutely good heckle watches. Um, so there's no trailers that we can get into, but my like one word and or one phrase description of Scarlet is, she is a real housewife of Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a fair, fair description. All she is doing, like the entire time, she is starting needless drama being really selfish and drunk uh at one point she like and i think this is like a low point for the character where she got kicked out of like the third house that she was staying at she grabs a bottle of booze goes up to her room and just starts chugging has that moment that trope where she's looking at herself in the mirror she sees the bottle and she was just like what has happened to you scarlet o'hara and she's just like, Scarlet O'Hara gets what she wants, you coward, and throws the bottle at the mirror. And she's like, you are not selfish enough. Which is like... <laughs> I love a good trope. <laughs> she, she, that last line she doesn't say, but that is what she's telling herself. She's just like, how dare you not go after the thing that you want? You always get what you want. Like, by, by, then, by then we were speechless because up until then it had been a joke. And now it was just a caricature. Bad, like bad things happen to good people because of shit she says. Yeah, like unintentionally too. She has no idea, like not a clue, the consequence or impact of the words that she's saying. Yeah, it's like they never, well, they never actually affect her. No, it's 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 a real housewife. I'll say this. I'll give it. I'll I'll I'll, I'll extol one virtue. Um, the production quality on this TV series is actually incredible um got some good costumes got some great Ooh. costumes great sets um oh, yeah. really really beautiful shots uh like this was a very competent piece of work uh from a d production standpoint mm -hmm. i mean like i said i'm a, i'm a sucker for a good period historical Co costume yeah i i love it i, I, I yeah. i'm 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 quickly uh realizing i i might be one too <laughs> uh we've we've done a few of these costume drama type pieces uh so far and we I, I, I never dislike them as much as i think yeah all right so would you rewind it did not did not would rewind. not i mean i know we have to rewind it so we can rip it um for the edit but no i do not I would not elect to watch this again. If someone wanted to watch it with me, I'd protest at the very least. But at six hours. Yeah. Yeah. We were winded after the first. You one. were winded. I was winded. <laughs> you were winded. <laughs> after the first tape. <sighs> so, um, 
I, with stuff like this, I just yeah. have to tell myself I have a finite amount of time left on this planet. <laughs> is this is this really something I want to be doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, again, like th this is at least just like a fun adventure. All of these tapes are going to be a fun adventure for me and for you. Um, but I do have ch like rewatches are choices that I get to make. Yeah, yeah. This um, I I would say for anyone who has a history with with uh, you know, Gone with the Wind, um, it might be worth a watch. I don't know if. If it wasn't six hours. Yeah, I yeah. I would say it's worth a watch for some of the better scenes. There's some like the cliffhanger of the first season uh, is actually shot really well. Um yeah, or like the first, first part tape. of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, cause I don't know if this happened over multiple seasons or not, but um, but yeah, the um you know, there, there's like just some really great, like, dark sort of like, you know, Southern Gothic kind of like things. It's just really, really cool sets. Yeah. Have yes. you have you both seen the original? Just out of curiosity, have you have you both seen? I have not. In middle I have school, not. I did in middle school. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely it definitely isn't like oh go run you know run right now and stop what you're doing and watch it because it'll make everything in this make total sense. Blah 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 blah. But I'd say as a, from a film history, you know, um, mm -hmm. lens or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'd say every everyone should, you know, check it out at least once. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to when it comes up mm -hmm. um, if I don't end up picking it myself. So, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Our next movie is our guest tape, 1999's Galaxy Quest. Starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Reaver, and another Alan Rickman movie. Another Alan Rickman. Ooh. We did one we did one last week. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, it was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Maybe not so nice. <laughs> but I'm sure he was the best part about he that movie. Actually he was, was yes. the best part of that movie, yep. yes. Yep. <laughs> and here, like, I don't know if he's the best part of this. Like, he might be the best part of this movie, too. I have to maybe say Tony like, Shalhoub. I know. Oh, I, say, like, on, I, have, I have so many like things that came up on on this particular rewatch for me, and one of them was my God, Tony Shalhoub. Yes, my God. Yes, just A plus, <laughs> gold star. Whole whatever he was on during this, I want it in batches. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Oh man. Legalize it now. <laughs> yes. Decriminalize yes, it. Now. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh, so, Melissa, why did you choose 1999's oh. Galaxy Quest? Well, when when you both were were telling me about about the podcast and about what you guys were doing and and the, the huge video collection, um, there was definitely I love being random and and leaving it up to chance. And then I really thought about it, and I and I, you know, I've it's been I've had quite the year, and and I thought it would just be something. It would be wonderful just to watch something that brings me joy mm. and so uh i was thinking about it and i thought oh you you guys wouldn't have galaxy quest would you and then and then johnny said that you did and i was like <laughs> yes oh perfect yes i want to i want to watch galaxy quest this is so this is one of my um desert island discs it's mm. one of my like top five or top ten 
I could watch it over and over and over again and, and be completely and thoroughly entertained. This thing honestly has aged like a fine wine. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. It's, it is, dare I say, uh, a perfect film. <laughs> Simon's words. Say, yes, <laughs> Simon's <did>. words. Yes. <laughs> this, this has everything I love about comedy. Um, every single joke and scenario that is set up is completely paid off. And I, I love that attention to to the writing and to the the pacing. Uh, that's another thing I noticed on this rewatch. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm laughing not only at the jokes, but I'm laughing in anticipation of the jokes and the punchlines and everything. So yeah. I, God, what, I mean, what is there to say? It's freaking Galaxy Quest. I adore this film. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. That, that you both had in your collection. <laughs> yeah. we. Yeah. This is one we have in our personal and in this collection. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's definitely one of our faves too. Yes. Yeah, I rewatch it maybe, like at least once a year. Mm-hmm. I think it is uh, an example of how to like satirize something. Like if you're going to make fun of a thing, of something that's really well known. And of course, this is mostly uh, satirizing Star Trek. But... I love that it's it's going beyond just kind of what Spaceballs did, which is uh, like set in space, where it's kind of like set in the future past or whatever. Um, like this is examining, uh, you know, the lives and relationships of the people who are kind of like caught up in this kind of fandom and have become these icons that have that are like have taken a life of its own. And it's become claustrophobic and inhibiting and um i think for some of these characters like they hate their on-screen personas um or at least like like the characters characters yeah. <laughs> i was trying to phrase that well and i don't think it can be um or at least not by me but it all it's all played for for not just for laughs sure for laughs absolutely but there's so much love mm. this is a love letter to uh, to Star Trek, to sci-fi, old school sci-fi TV genre. It's it's a love letter to the fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, obviously, spoilers for Galaxy Quest if you have not seen this, but you should. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go watch this movie, especially if you've never seen it. But the heroes of of the of the the movie aren't just the 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 crew they're right. the fans right they're the literal yes. nerds yes. who have you know the schematics and everything of the ship that are <laughs> that are downloaded on their computers and they talk about them every day and they and they live and they eat and they sleep and they breathe it they're the heroes without them um uh Sigourney weaver and tim allen would not have been able to activate the omega-13 device and save the ship basically right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i haven't even gotten to the Relevant conundrum. Hadn't even gotten to the relevant conundrum. <laughs> oh, that's such a good line. Oh this my is like God. never caught that one before so this many, watch. Yes, like, yes, nerds. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Uh, every, uh, every time when they beam, when everyone beams aboard the protector for the first time, and Sam Sam Rockwell guy has his freak out. Like that's funny because yeah. it's just completely unhinged. But then you've got Tony Shalhoub. MVP of this movie right. who like beams in and he's just like 
is a hell of a thing. I'm like, oh, I want that. I want it. I want it on a t-shirt. I want to hang it on my wall. Oh my god, that gets me. That's a every single time. That's a state of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's Tony so Shalhoub good. in this movie. It's so good. Tech Sergeant Chen. Tech Sergeant Chen. Tech Sergeant Chen. Right. <laughs> Uh, this is a movie I wish I could have saw in theaters. Me too. Um, yep. Are you familiar with the changing aspect ratios that happen throughout this movie? No. So if you saw this in theaters, like the, because like because we watched it on the uh, the tape version, mm-hmm. and so I'm curious about your streaming yeah, version because yeah. that's that's how I I streamed it. Yeah. The ratio changes twice, so there are three different aspect ratios oh. uh, that were designed in this movie, and the first one. Uh, the film opens up with uh, the TV show that Galaxy Quest is kind of revolving around. So, of course, it's going to be just like that a square aspect ratio. And then that opens up to just like a regular, uh, was it like uh, 16 by 9? Yeah, 16 by 9 or like kind of letterbox. Uh, just a very, very standard video uh, aspect ratio. Um, and then when Tim Allen is on the ship and he's about to be, uh, sent back to earth and he's about to, uh, like witness the reality of the situation that he's in for the first time, um, or at least like the, the gravity, no pun intended (laughs) of the situation that he's in. And so he's covered in the goo and then those like pod doors open and what was supposed to happen if you were watching this in the theaters is those like the curtains were supposed to move. And then we go into like cinema, cinema ratios. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Cool. That is yeah. so cool. So I can tell you on the streamed version uh, and the DVD, because I believe I I have this one physically. Thank goodness. Okay. I actually have a physical copy of this. You should get a DVD copy of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. But those, so on the streamed versions, those aspect ratios, the at least the first two are kept. Okay. Um, so the TV aspect ratio uh, is there for all of the the TV bits, and then uh, it does just go into widescreen. Mm. So um, unfortunately, nothing um, happens. Uh, you get to experience the scene as it is. The aspect ratio doesn't change, but oh, to see that. In the theater, in the Gosh. that yeah, would be cool. incredible. Because even watching it, um, it's with the music and the expression on his face, and and what you're seeing and everything. Oh my gosh, it's it's wonderment. It's it's incredible. It's so cool. And um, I don't know if it's just this time of year or just haven't I haven't had my yearly rewatch of of Galaxy Quest yet this year's. So I I found myself tearing up at different points. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, oh, it's that kind of movie. Oh, it totally sure. is. Yeah, yeah. It totally, and I'm and I'm yeah. sitting there going, I'm, I'm crying over Galaxy Quest. I'm like, yeah, I'm oh, I'm wait, crying over Galaxy Quest. When Alan Rickman delivers that line, oh my god, and like he means it sincerely, and like he like with his whole body is like, yes, I like I mean this, and I want to say it. This thing I am sick and tired of hearing. Like this is why Alan Rickman learned Shakespeare is for that scene. Yeah. <laughs> for that moment. Five five at five curtain calls. <laughs> <laughs> well actually okay, so yeah, so that actually uh uh to go into just like some of the my favorite things about the movie was just like it the tone of it is set up so perfectly in that opening scene, like after after we watch the television show 
and it kind of dumps us into this convention. And then you just kind of see where everyone is. And in one just like weaving of exchanges that these characters have probably had so many times, you just like really understand like how much they fucking hate their lives and 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 how how this show has become like their golden like their golden handcuffs and mm. the the best part is or at least like most of it is um Alan Rickman and the Tony Shalhoub where Alan Rickman is just like wallowing in this rehearsed uh like sad sack uh all the like you know like five curtain call like all that stuff and then tony shalhoub is just there like yeah five curtain calls like, <laughs> right 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 he can just he can recite the whole thing and then and then tim allen comes in he's like oh am i too late for alexander's panic attack yeah. blah, 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 blah. it's just like oh they've been they've been doing this for so many years uh and uh no you can just feel it it's 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 palpable yeah yeah absolutely Love, I, mean, I love yeah. that he's like the the scenes where um, Alan Rickman's like at home. He's still in his <laughs> prosthetic. He, <laughs> he never takes it off. Well, oh, I'm, pre- so I'm pretty good. sure. So, like by the end of the movie, when he's like he's actually been fighting and it's starting <laughs> to come off. Coming yes, his it, hair like, and the everything. prosthetic goes down to his nose. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm pretty sure that's just like a patience and budget thing. Like, he's probably doing his own makeup. For all of these stupid events that he has to go to, and it makes yeah. no sense. Like, oh. like, like. Of course, he's gonna be just like the most salty about where he is with this character because he has to stay in that in those fucking prosthetics. Where who knows? <laughs> like, I don't know. He probably has a schedule where just like every three or four days, kind of like me with shaving my head. It's just like you gotta fucking t- like take it off, wash the head. And reapply. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's a good point. It's it's interesting to to watch a group of people that. Well, I I like what you said about golden handcuffs because yeah, it's this is this is all they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're we can assume that or infer that you know these guys probably aren't getting a whole lot of work. Mm-hmm. People aren't really lining up, banging down their door, mm-hmm. uh, to offer them jobs this is this is it this right. is this is what they're known for mm-hmm. yeah. this is what they're gonna do that's actually the thing that gets them on the ship is like we're d- it, it's a gig oh, oh yeah. <laughs> let's think about it you know yep yeah it's like the, yeah he's not going to invite us to another gig yeah <laughs> right right uh it's great great image for the box art we have just our our main characters they're looking up tim allen is in his <laughs> hangover his hangover clothes, which is like one of our entry points into the adventure. So, uh, yeah, just great uh, contrast between. Is it not? There you go. Okay. Great contrast between uh, him and like the supporting characters. Um, so, we got Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman are all above the title. And David Anson from Newsweek says four stars, funny. <laughs> Well, it's an understatement. Yes, <laughs> I would happen to agree with that. <laughs> they, like, well, I, I also don't imagine that. Like, I remember this movie kind of being panned a little bit, or people it, not thinking it very much was. I, I think I, like, I've met a few people who still don't like never seen it. They just kind of remember it as being a, a hokey, you know, like late nineties. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I didn't see this oh. movie until I think 
Me? Yeah, we were living up here. Wow. Or maybe I saw it when we like You're first so met really? in LA. Huh. But yeah. I didn't see this until the sixth grade when I was in the sixth grade and it had already been out of theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't remember how long it had been out of theaters, but mm-hmm. I, I don't remember it staying very long. Um, but as a re- some kind of a reward or whatever, um, one of someone in the class got to choose a movie to watch and they picked Galaxy Quest. And my teacher was like, well, it's PG, PG-13. I'll have to get parental permission, blah, blah, blah. So we got the permission and then we watched it. And I just, it it stuck with me. It's it You watch it once and if you like it, if this movie is for you, it's just something that will, will stay with you for the rest of your life. Totally. And it just completely and utterly has. Yeah. I think it's probably PG for the violence because this is a very kid-friendly movie. Oh, extremely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the violence could be, um, it could be a little scary. I mean, the the torture scene, you know, I remember watching that for the first time and being uh, being scared a little yeah. bit yeah, for, yeah. for Math Czar. And, you know, you're watching this character you've grown to love being hurt you know, on screen. And it's kind mm-hmm. of, um, it's kind of, it can be brutal if yeah. you've never seen something like that before. I mean, Saris mm-hmm. holds up, and it's an alien head, but he holds up like a severed head. And right. Um, it's a big tone shift in in the whole movie for all our characters, and it's like, at least that's what I think of when I think of like the violence in this movie mm. is it's a severed head. But then yeah. it's also so campy, and that's it's and that's you know honoring every basically everything that happens on the planet on the Beryllium planet when they're mm. um with the arena and I mean that's just complete straight that's up dark. Oh, well, it's it's dark, but it's also complete straight up homage to like mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek the original series. Like sure. it's basically their version of Captain Kirk fighting the Gorn, uh, essentially. Okay, okay. <laughs> complete with like the the rocks and the set and just everything. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's so great. The, granted, the monsters look a little bit better than than the men in the rubber suits that that William yeah. Shatner was fighting, <laughs> uh, but it's it's straight up homage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we got two thumbs up. Roger Ebert and Harry Knowles. From Roger Ebert and the movies. For four years, the courageous crew of the Nespa Protector, Commander Peter Quincy Taggart, Tim Allen, Lieutenant Tawny Madison, Sigourney Weaver, and Dr. Lazarus, Alan Rickman, set off on a thrilling, often dangerous mission in space. And then their series was canceled. Now, 20 years later, Aliens under attack have mistaken the Galaxy Quest television transmissions for, quote, historical documents and beamed up the crew of has-been actors to save the universe. With no script, no director, and no clue, the actors must turn in the performances of their lives. In this hilarious adventure, Jeffrey Lyons of NBC TV calls the funniest, wittiest comedy of the year. Even the log line is well written. Yeah, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a good log line. Gives you everything you need to know. You got some, uh, I, don't, I feel like I've been a little harsh on a lot of like the, the way the backs of boxes are designed, but this one is mostly fine. Uh, 
yeah, I think it looks great. But again, the log line is like I'm so happy with how that log line. Yeah, is it's better than the Robin Hood log line, oh which is like a no, the busted Hood... haiku. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was gonna say like the, the nice thing about the Robin Hood log line is that it's three lines. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it <laughs> says almost nothing about the film. And the trailer, this this one had trailers, which is always nice. The the first one is actually there's a few animated ones. There's a, again, so this is a very kid friendly movie, and so a lot of the trailers are movies for kids. The first one being The Road to El Dorado, oh, featuring love. the soundtrack by Elton John and somebody else who also worked on The Lion King, Tim Rice. Mm. Yes, there <laughs> you go. Elton. <laughs> Elton. <laughs> Next was another movie we almost watched recently, which was a Chicken Run on video. Oh, Chicken Run's pretty good. It holds mm -hmm. up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like fun little stop motion movie. I haven't seen it since uh probably since it came out. Oh, do you know there's a sequel now? Chicken Run Two: Rise of the Nugget. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did it get a VHS release? Unfortunately, no. It's, ah. ve it's, it's very, very recent. It's okay. very new. It's streaming somewhere. I don't remember mm. where at the moment. But yeah. Chicken Run is somewhere. I think it's it's, it's in this behind here. area. Uh, following that was Beethoven's Third, starring Julie, Judge, Judge Julia, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Judge Reinhold and Julia Sweeney. Oh, yeah, this is a this is one of those films where I'm just like I, it's probably just a, a paycheck movie for both of them. Woof. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Look, it doesn't look good. Uh, and I've even watched like Beethoven Second fairly recently because I love Debbie Mazar. <laughs> uh, and I also I, I watched Beethoven and Beethoven Second a lot, a lot growing up. And I was pretty pleased to have seen that the second one kind of holds up well enough. All right. Next to another movie trailer that we've talked about before. It is Dragonheart, A New Beginning, the the sequel to, uh, was it Dennis Quaid's Dragonheart? Ooh. Anyways, this trailer is different from the one that we watched on a previous episode. Do you remember what episode that yeah, was? Yeah, so uh, we actually saw this trailer on The Mummy. Was Those that are it? the trailers, Those yeah. Trailers? It just ended with a, a better Dragonheart 2 trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely, definitely made this movie look at least... Watchable. Kind of compelling, mm. yeah. Oh, we're doing uh, one word. Yeah, perfect. This movie is perfect. Uh, it's the perfect kind of satire. It is using, it has perfect casting. It is a really, really tight script. Everything is just so thoughtful. And the, like, you can tell that the actors put in the work to develop these characters on a deeper level. Uh, and for a, uh, like a spoof comedy, it's, it, it's really an overachiever. That's the phrase I'm using. It is overachiever. Yeah. Um, Melissa, if you had one word to describe this. Or one phrase. Or one phrase. This movie is, it's just, it's like hitting the joy button in my head mm. over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, joy. Joy. Cool. Yeah, love it. It's seasonally appropriate, too. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, 
uh, chicken soup for the sci-fi soul. Oh, I love that. You are, you are so right. Next, we have... Well, wait, you don't get off that easy. Oh, we have to do You got to tell the people. Are you going to rewind this one? Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did rewind it. I have to rewind it if I'm going to watch it again next year, which starts in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely, positively. If rewinding it means I just get to watch it again, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always going to rewind it. Next, we have 1991's Nightbreed, written, directed by Clive Barker, starring David Cronenberg. Wow. <laughs> it, I mean, the, the actual star is somebody else, but it David Cronenberg is like the second co-star. This movie is strange. For all, for unfortunately, all the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah, no, it's a bomber. It's a no. bomber. And Johnny did like looked into it. It's it's not. It's supposedly not the fault of Clive Barker. It, I'm inclined to believe that. I just it it what this movie ended up being. It's hard for me to think that Clive Barker set out movie. to write this movie. Like, because I don't think he would have gotten David Cronenberg to sign on to this movie if he would have told him that, like, yeah, this is what I'm making. <laughs> like, he had to tell him, like, this is what I want to make. The studios killed this one. Mm. My, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, well, just to to set it up, like, there there are no trailers for this tape, but what it does open up with is a a really short, maybe like two minute. Could you even call it a featurette? It was like five minutes. It was, was it? It was, yeah. Okay. Like, it opens up with a featurette of Clive Barker talking to the audience with like uh, all the prosthetics kind of on display with like mood lighting. Oh. And he's telling you about this movie you're about to watch. He's setting up uh, this this world that you're about to be dropped into. And I thought that was like a little bit of a change of pace. It was actually kind of charming and kind of nice. And then a like 20 minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, like we needed him to tell us what was going on because I have no fucking clue what's happening. <laughs> the movie ended and uh, what I f disliked most about this movie was how hard it was to follow. Like everything was just so incoherent. Everything down to like the like character choices and motivations were just out out the door. Um I have no idea, you know, we're in this weird underground world where like these dead creatures live and it's not at all clear who they are, how they exist, why they exist, what their relationship to the the surface living world is. And I just got so distracted, like I couldn't pay attention because I have I had nothing to hold on to, like literally nothing to hold on to in this movie. This is a really, really great a really great cover incredible cover this cover Nightbreed, like the the whole lockup of that of the the title is mm -hmm. incredible um we got just like a like a cast of characters in various degrees of monstrosity although i do think they like a lot of them do look goofy i mean they do but i think it's supposed to and and you, you know they're of course you know plenty of problematic things about this but i think it is supposed to be maybe a callback to sort of like something like freaks mm. or something oh, like that sure sure um and, and uh and so it like definitely has that 
feel on the cover. And yeah, I mean, if anything can be said about this, I think it is one of the most iconic VHS of all time. Like, I, I, I don't know if there's a single person I knew who grew up watching horror that wouldn't just recall this cover, uh, mm -hmm. having passed it in, you know, whatever video store you grew up by. Um, it is really striking. Yeah. And so it's, we have from Clive Barker, the creator of Hellraiser, Nightbreed. Come meet the dead of night. Clive Barker is, quote, horror's new king, says someone at the Los Angeles Times. Starring Craig Schaefer and Bobby David Cronenberg and Charles Haid, uh, who actually is pretty good in this. Uh, the New York... Oh, Three stars, <laughs> says the New York Post, Houston Post, New York Daily News, and San Jose Mercury News. They're Guess all that's... jumping okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> do you even, if it's be anything below four stars, do you even bother putting the stars on there? I mean, three stars. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. funny. They got four different uh, news outlets or like four different uh, publications that gave it three stars. So it's just like, again... And take what we can get. Uh, there's no point in pulling something out of context because there probably wasn't anything to pull out of context for a quote. Uh, but uh, I didn't notice this before because it's just like white text over a bunch of stuff happening. But it says, with personal introduction by Clive Barker. So, uh, and that takes the place of our trailers, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, yeah. like that'll be featured in our newsletter. Uh, my Mystery Simon Theater 3000 newsletter, which you can find at weirdwonderfulstuff.substack.com. Please subscribe. I, I put a lot of work into those. She hates writing. I hate writing, <laughs> which is there. It's it's full of pictures. And that's where Ooh. we put all of our like we export all of just the trailers. And those are in the newsletter. So if you want to see the trailers that are on and the little, little featurette, please subscribe to my newsletter. Let's dive in. Enter another world of darkness and terror. As horror maven Clive Barker, Hellraiser, takes you on an unforgettable journey to fear and back. Welcome to the Nightbreed. Far below the waking world lies the secret lost city of Midian, a subterranean haven for a society of dead souls called the Nightbreed. Boone, Craig Schaefer, is a psychiatric patient haunted by the conviction that he has committed unspeakable crimes. Seeking sanctuary from the police and his own cold-blooded psychiatrist, Dr. Decker, David Cronenberg, Boone discovers Midian and joins the hidden tribes of the night. As the police and Decker close in on Midian, Boone realizes that his personal destiny is to defend the supernatural city against the living world that seeks to destroy it. Yeah, uh, I guess my overall hot take for this movie is that it uh, it has the storytelling sensibilities of a children's fantasy movie on TV. Yeah, I think it's a hard story to tell, as is true of many Clive Barker stories. With not that much world yeah. building, and yeah, probably like even even harder to market. Yes, like it isn't something yeah. like, even with Galaxy Quest and Scarlet, you can easily sum those movies up in one sentence. Right. Give me your elevator pitch for those movies. Right. Oh, yeah, that's not a problem. This? Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused just listening to you <laughs> yeah. talk about it. And, and here's what I would say, like, 
for anyone who feels like they've wanted the movie that goes further into what who the Cenobites are. Mm. Oh, sure. I feel like this gets as close as we're going to get until Clive Barker finds the funding to like make this series proper. Um because it, it like it's that same idea of like these are these are um you know a, a like a people who like exist through generations and like they're beyond human. All right, if you had to put this into one word, what would it be? Mess. It's unfortunate. Like I, I really wanted to like this, and actually, this is actually a perfect background party tape. The gore—it's not too gory. Like some of the practical prosthetics and the puppets uh, can get kind of slimy and uncomfortable. But I think if you uh, just have like the right crowd, they'd be into it. Or yeah. if you put this on at a bar on mute. Uh, it yeah. probably go over really, really well, and uh, uh, it's just one of those movies that is interesting to look at, and is more enjoyable when you're just looking at it. But it's a it's a mess, and I know it's not his fault. Yeah, I'll say must own. I think every horror aficionado should have a copy of this movie. Um, if not for any other reason than like there is some incredible character design, like just incredible character design and like tie-ins with the music. There's a guy who's got these snakes. And so of course Danny Elfman does his great snake charming, like oboe <laughs> music, like uh, or clarinet, you know, like, so it's, it's just like, it's chock full of really great scenes. Um, I think uh, the char- this is definitely a character movie, like uh, some of the various characters in the Nightbreed. You know, you, you can I could definitely see how uh, if you go to a horror con, you're going to see these people uh, in cosplay. Um, so uh, it's iconic, and uh, I think it, it deserves uh, it deserves to be. It's just unfortunate that like it's why a- it's iconic. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate that there's not a lot of substance to back it up. Um, but I'm interested to read Cabal uh, because that. Heard what he said? What chance have we got? There are. So am I. Come to daddy. <laughs> Figure out what the story is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm definitely, I'm going to brush up on my Exodus and rewatch. <laughs> you do that. It's been years. It's been years. Now it's time for the mystery part of Mystery Simon Theater 3000. I find out what tapes I have to watch this week. Okay. So for our viewers out there, next week we'll be welcoming Aaron Coulter, owner of Clinton Street Theater. I think he's a uh, co-owner. Co-owner, mm-hmm. even, of Clinton Street Theater. Uh, I believe, and maybe you, you know this, Melissa, like the Clinton Street Theater is employee-owned. Yeah, yeah, they, yep, yes. Now they, ah, so uh, there are many co-owners. Yeah, there's like a little co-op, it's a co-op. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when Lonnie Joe stepped down, um, oh, it was a bunch of employees that stepped up. Okay. And took it over. 
How cool. How cool. Oh, awesome. So yeah. if you reside in Portland or if you intend to visit Portland, go see a movie at Clinton Street Theater. Um, you will not regret it. They uh, got some great rooms. It's December, so they're having their annual um, Cohen Film Festival, which ends with uh, multiple showings of The Big Lebowski. So hopefully oh. you will see me uh, either at one of the showings of The Big Lebowski or one of the Cohen Brothers movies, because I would love to go. So what is what is this one? So this is Aaron's pick. Okay. His first Ooh. one. Aaron, be kind. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Aaron had initially chosen Scent three... of a Woman is the pick. Scent of a Woman oh is the pick, my, yeah. I have so much yeah. to say, but anyway. <laughs> so, he originally chose uh, three movies. I'm not going to say which ones, because he, he might come back. But uh, this was the only one that he had mentioned that I had not ever seen before. Uh, and so I figured it would be a, a great conversation. Oh, you're going to go on a journey, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That's that's fabulous. Um, shameless plug number two. I do a I do a podcast about blind representation in movies and TV. Oh, cool. With a, with a, with Sky uh, Sky, who is a good friend of mine. Um, we're Citizen White Kane. We're still up on Spotify. Uh, we talked about um, Scent of a Woman. Oh, uh, yeah. Rad. So we've, we've definitely seen that one. Does but... it get the thumbs up or thumbs down or thumb in the middle? You know, I, re- I remember because it, it's been it's been at least a year since we've talked about it. So I remember um, probably probably the middle. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it nearly as much as I thought I was going to. Okay. Um, as far as blind representation, <laughs> oh yeah, no. you got Al Pacino <laughs> no. playing the lead. That's no, not, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no. But we had a really interesting conversation about um, veterans and disability because mm. uh, he is a veteran in the film. So, all right, yeah. interesting. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to steal Aaron's thunder. So, <laughs> okay, all right. I can't stand this one upright because it is sealed. <laughs> okay, what is this one? This is my pick. Random Ooh. or not? Not random, um, and well, just yeah, just look at it. It's not random. It's a, it's an enclosed box. No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I I originally brought this home to watch it, and we didn't get to, so now we have to. (laughs) (laughs) We have. um, uh, When was this one released? Nineteen. It's Nostalgia Merchant, which actually means it would have been one of the first VHS that was released for private ownership. That makes oh, sense. So, why wow. so, uh, okay. it closed comes... on the Right. Um, yeah. When VHS first came out as a platform, it was largely limited to just the video stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the studios technically owned all the VHS. Right. Um, and uh, Nostalgia Merchant was one of the companies that uh, went into business doing um, things that were either in the public yeah. domain or um, or like they did our uh, version of Citizen Kane as well. Oh, mm-hmm. gotcha. So, yeah, so this is the original uncut version of King Kong, oh, Wonder yeah. of the World. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm having good. my film history so moment. Good. So that's that's why I've been picking all the <laughs> stuff like okay. all the nostalgia merchants. <laughs> yeah. Literally, yeah. literally, I went down a rabbit hole last night watching um, you, YouTube videos, and one of my I, I really like this channel called Wait in the Wings, which talks about theater production, mm. and he did a whole thing about the um, King Kong the musical and the puppet Whoa. and the, the puppetry, and it's stunning. The musical is apparently crap. 
but the puppetry is absolutely stunning and he's he's right and that's it's, incredible it's insane and so you warned me that this was this is the random Ooh. this is the random one the the fates have not been kind this month oh no they be kind they be kind it's Tess. Te- oh, I thought that was a J. That makes more sense. Tess of, of the, the French name. Dubervilles. Yeah, that. Tho- Thomas? Thomas Hardy's Tess? Huh. This looks like um, it is a period piece. a e Home Video. Oh, when a e used to make yeah. interesting. Not reality show not trash. Not reality show yeah. trash. Yeah. Right, right. When they, yeah, when they used to be the um, arts and entertainment. entertainment. (laughs) Oh my god! Well, that means I can't speak to its quality, but it, you're, I mean, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Right. Right. The next episode, we will have "Scent of a Woman," 1933's King Kong, and Thomas Hardy's Tess of the Dubervilles. Mm-hmm. And we will also be welcoming uh, Aaron Coulter. We'll be welcoming Aaron Coulter. Of the Clinton Street Theater. Uh, Excited to talk to him uh, about his pick, which was Scent of a Woman. And thank you again to Melissa. And so if folks want to find you, uh, you were with the, and so it is the Fun House Comedy Lounge. Did I get that right? Uh, Yeah, the Fun House Lounge. The Fun House Lounge. Fun House Lounge, yeah. Yeah. I'm I, I I mean if you want to find me on the social medias, I guess you can't. I hate I don't <laughs> I can't stand social media, so I don't really I don't really do much with that. But yeah, I'm I'm almost always hanging out um over at at uh, Funhouse Lounge. Or if you um are not tired of my voice, there's the Citizen White Cane podcast. That's uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well, and that's me and Sky, and we we just talk about more movies. Um focusing on uh blindness and disability representation and thank you both so much for having me this was such a delight awesome well we can't wait to have you back on yeah yeah i would love to yeah absolutely and uh thank you for watching this episode of mystery simon theater 3000 if you're watching it uh please like and subscribe leave a comment about uh uh your favorite movie perhaps uh if you'd like to see the list of titles you can see them at m simont3k.com. If you're listening to this feed, you can listen to it as a podcast. We're available at fine podcast retailers. And thank you to producer Johnny for wrangling all of our guests, for editing this, and writing our intro music. Well, thank you. Thank you and good night. I'll see you on the other side. Bye, folks. Bye. <laughs> okay. Cool.